Hello and welcome to the Surgical Spirit Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Haider Al-Hakim, the Third Eye Doctor. Pull up a chair and get ready for some candid and uncompromising discussion with experts, innovators, agitators, and influential people from every corner of health and well-being. From inside the hospital to at home in the kitchen, we're leaving no stone unturned in our quest to uncover the secrets of healthier, happier, more successful, and less stressful lives. Thank you so much for joining us, and without further ado, let's meet this episode's guest. Hello and welcome, Basha. Back, welcome back home. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, tell me, uh, we last spoke uh, about six or seven months ago, yes. uh, and you've slotted in your role now as uh, Miss England. Tell us more about it. How's it been? Hi. Yes, it's it's been a whirlwind of, uh, well, just over six months now. But uh, um, I have to say, my life has never been so up and down and all over the place in such a short amount of time. Um, I think we can we can say uh, for all of us, uh, life has changed very quickly, very drastically in the last one month. Um, so yeah, it's been an interesting reign so far. So you know, what sort of ups and what sort of downs? Um, I think um, the the immense pressure that we put on ourselves um, as um, as 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 doctors, as um, as also you know, um, somewhat uh, as a public persona as well. Um, both of them, I, I think I put a lot of pressure on myself um, and, and, you know, um, feeling the guilt of doing one well and not the other and trying to keep the balance. Um, that Those, I'd say, were the downs in terms of, uh, I'll start with the downs so I can uplift you with the ups in a minute. Um, but uh, yeah, those were mainly the, the downs, you know, in terms of dealing with, um, the emotional outbursts that I was having, um, the anxiety that I was having. Um, and it, it was all to do with, uh, with uh, feeling inadequate and feeling I'm not doing this job well enough or because I took some time off work um, to compete in Miss World and, and do these other things. And every time you, and when I was working, then I felt guilty that I'm not being dedicated enough to doing my role as Miss England and doing all the charity work that I should be doing. It's, it, was, it was a bit like that, you know. Um, in terms of the ups, uh, of course, uh, it's, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to take part in Miss World. I grew up watching that, and um, it's the oldest. It's 70 years of legacy, you see. Um, it's a once-in-a-lifetime even imagining to be on that stage. It still feels surreal that actually happened to me. Uh, we would joke about it when I was younger. It, it's never something one imagines would happen to you. And um, then, you know, to be called in a place like Miss World, not by your name, but by England, you know, refer to you uh, yourself as your country. I think uh, that feels phenomenal. And um, one of the big aspects of Miss World is your, your project that you do, and mine was on type 2 diabetes. Um, that made the top 20 in the projects. And I just remember tearing up, seeing video of, because of, I'd filmed the NHS and with my staff and everything. And 
it just made my uh, me tear up watching that on the big screen you see so it's things like that where you feel like you're truly representing your country and then of course getting the opportunities to travel that i had planned for the rest of this year but of course due to covid then part of that got uh, um, had to be halted but i have uh, so far traveled to africa to turkey and india um and i don't know after covid what what of that will resume um so yes that that's been, those bit have been the ups and downs of what's happened so far and and you know going back to the downs uh, you going through you know bouts of anxiety and sort of stress and emotional outbursts how how did you get yourself out of that um i think for me the kind of person i am i i love staying in denial which is the worst thing you can do um i don't really register that something has hurt me or how deep an impact something has had on me and i i try to push it aside and get myself really busy and um and then i'll find myself two weeks later responding to an event that happened two weeks ago and realizing that uh oh things are really built up i've really lost control of this uh, this small problem which is now you know um become a big problem so um what i find has been helpful to me is um acknowledging acknowledging that yes this thing did not make me happy and it's okay for me to be upset about it and and to actually emote it i think somewhere i was really scared to um admit it to myself that uh, this affected me or a particular event affected me and um i was i was scared to cry about it or anything like that because um i am supposed to be miss england and i'm supposed to sort of hold it all together and be eldest in my family and um i all the decisions that i've taken so far they have been my decisions and i think that sometimes becomes the hardest thing to deal with that i have no one else to blame but myself so you want it to be right in the end and sometimes it's not sometimes the repercussions are not what you expected and it, you know taking that blame onto yourself acknowledging that okay this is where i went wrong this is how it's made me feel it's okay and then forgiving yourself and going through that phase of acceptance and forgiveness uh, of yourself i'm not saying i had a massive bereavement or anything like that but even the smaller issues the small things that make you upset they can pile up and cause a bigger problem and i was having panic attacks at times because of that yeah yeah and you know that's essentially the the healing process is once you actually stop and recognizing that it's a problem mm-hmm. that's when the healing starts um yeah. uh, rather than you know glossing over things or just covering things and just carrying on and and maybe this you know this current covid uh, crisis that's that's happening it's it's forcing us to slow down and and look at ourselves absolutely i actually was going to do a 100 reason why um you know covid is good <laughs> yeah i know this is not it's a very sadistic thing to do but uh, i also you know recently i've had a lot of uh, press and media interest come back on to me again because of me returning to work um so i thought you know when the people are looking and they're all home and they're sort of 
always being fed, unfortunately, it's not, they're not being fed the wrong news because it's the truth. It is true in terms of all the deaths that are happening worldwide. Um, I think at a time like this, I want to be a, giving them some hope. So I wanted to, um, to sort of create content, whatever time that I have, um, with positives, you know, because um, I think it's so important for us as a species to, to really start looking at life mindfully. That helped me so much. And I know being stuck at home, being away from your loved ones can be so detrimental to your mental health. So mindfulness has really helped me not doing it in a really technical way that you're, you know, that uh, we sometimes fear that if you go seek help, they'll give us this long, you know, detailed process of doing it. And that's why I hated wanting to go to see a therapist, but I have seen therapy and I've made my own version of it in terms of how I deal with it and how I act mindfully. So yes, I would like to do that and um, um, share my process with, uh, with people so that they can also look at the positive side of this time that we're going through. Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely uh, agree. I'm, I'm a realist, but I'm a positive realist. Mm. So I, you know, uh, at the end of the day, I mean, I lost four members uh, uh, of our family to the virus. Um, so it's, it's as real as it gets. Uh, but, but on the same token, we can always pick out the positives out of everything, everything that happens to us. And I think your, your idea of um, having a hundred points of positives from this COVID is actually an essential, essential, essential act of, of, uh, progressive evolution, uh, as you said, uh, you know, as a species. And, you know, if, if, if individuals like yourself who, who have a positive outlook, uh, in life, um, if we can celebrate these individuals and encourage these individuals and, you know, give them a, a bigger platform, I think this will, uh, evolve as, as a species for sure and I think if, if my journey and how I do it can uh, inspire others to do a similar thing in their own lives every day that you know in terms of counting hundred things that went right today mm. um, that that also changes uh, things for a lot of people so that's where I want to have an impact and um, I don't think my life is going to be all that better. I don't want it to be, oh, look how good my life is and let's compare that. Um, I'd rather make it more about, well, actually, the things that have made me really, really happy recently is seeing how nature is healing itself. And, and um, before, before COVID happened as well, something that I found useful when dealing with uh, mental health uh, and, and negatives in your life was um, to sort of um, think about it and... I don't know. I don't know about yourself, but I'm a huge believer in karma. And whenever something would go wrong in my life, even something as missing a train, I would think, what did I do? So did I hurt someone? Did I do something bad today that made me deserve this? You know, and then when I would sort of look back and think, well, actually, I said something not very nice to this person on that date. Um, that would sort of make me be okay with the reality. And then, then it would also make me sort of apologize or repent or do something nice to counter that. Um, I think that was a really good process to sort of think about, okay, how did I contribute to this problem? Even if it's not related and um, de deal with it like that. Um, so the way I've been thinking about COVID is how humans as a whole 
we have been leading such a lavish life at the cost of nature, the cost of animals and Mother Earth. And we've been, it's really put things into perspective as to, you know, um, how, yes, we can survive on less, but how, how much we thought we needed, you know, in terms of we need to go out, we need to do this, do that. So I think in a way, I'm sort of feeling actually, this is this was needed in a way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I and mean, I did a post recently, and I said uh, this incident just shows you how superfluous our lives have been, and 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 sometimes we do need to re reset the button. And when you reset the button, you have to reboot the whole system, which takes yeah. some time. You know, yeah. uh, you know. Sometimes we have issues with the laptop, and you know, you get frustrated. But that's just the way it is. You know, you need to yeah. uh, restart again. Uh, restart again and sort of look at your priorities and exactly uh, what you want which is probably not not much uh, and what you need is probably not not very much either and um, exactly and it just shows you time yeah. like yeah sorry and we know at a time like this unfortunately the people who are going to suffer the most are going to be the ones that have the least in the first place Mm. We need to acknowledge that we are not at the worst place mm. ourselves, mm. that we need to really acknowledge that. And, and it's time that, you know, you know, we, we, we got that time to really think about these things. And this is an opportunity for us to share, you mm. know, mm. Um, and I'm encouraging people that I know as well to, to donate to the needy, to read the people that actually don't have the option to stay at a home because they don't have a home. And or they don't have the option to, uh, to sort of uh, work from home because they don't have the means to have an everyday, um, like food on the table because they don't have money for that. So, um, and I think that itself is also really going to help us through this process. The more we share, the more we help, it's really going to impact our mental health as a society so much because an act of kindness, as you must know, as a doctor yourself, is known to, to, to activate your dopamine receptors in your brain. And it is, it's known scientifically to, to make you happier. So, you know, I'd recommend that as well. And you know what we're seeing now is is uh, financially uh, advantaged people, i.e., rich, are actually going out there and and helping the wider community and the community mm -hmm. that that have none. Whereas before mm -hmm. this, you know, it probably wasn't as much. So you know that's mm -hmm. that's a massive positive. I mean, you know, I love the fact that you're already thinking about hundred positives <laughs> you know uh, in this in this current climate and and um, you know that's that's very big-hearted of you thank you and um, so let's go back sort of before this happened and you were traveling yeah. a lot what, what 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 did you learn from that all that I, traveling I I really love uh, meeting new people and honestly I always found that to travel to these particular countries that I went to, I, it humbled me. It humbled me that when I went to a orphanage in Africa, these little kids 
they didn't really know who I was. I mean, they know, oh, Miss England, but they're just kids. They don't really understand the commercial side of things or anything like that, or how much, it, you know, a popularity or Instagram and all these things. They don't understand all this. But for them, it was, oh, we've got a guest who's come from England, who's not from here, who's come from somewhere else. They're come and taking an interest in our home, you know. And they each of the little kids they they were so um, you know they were so poor. This uh, small orphanage in Africa, they, it was it was very very simple. There were four kids in each room, but maybe they had one toy between like four of them or something like that. And they literally took me to all their rooms to show their rooms, and uh, they, none of them wanted to miss the opportunity to show me their rooms or their little toy or their artwork or something like that. And I, it humbled me that, um, who am I? But look, with just me walking in, I'm make, making them sm smile. And um, it really, really humbled me, that whole experience that I also had in India, as, uh, as to see that these people in, with so little have such, a, um, such big smiles on their faces with so little and it takes so little to make them happy you know um that that was something that was really impactful for me and the fact that you know this language is universal mm. absolutely absolutely um it's it was humbling for me i didn't you know, they, they just, um, uh, for instance, I went to India and I was at that time teaching because uh, COVID was still going on then, but it wasn't so such a big deal. Uh, it just sort of uh, crept into India at that point. I, wherever I was going, I was teaching the kids, uh, you know, the right way to cough and sneeze and to do a hand, not to do a handshake, things like that. And uh, bless this tiny orphanage we went to. Um, the kids picked up as soon as I taught them this, uh, this small uh, thing of coughing in your armpit. They were doing it straight away. You know, um, I just saw how quick the impact is and how, um, how malleable little children are. It really showed me, you know, and especially the ones that are deprived. They are, they are so quick to respond to any stimulus because they have so little they are literally yearning for any little stimulus, any teaching, any attention, love. These, people, these children have been discarded from their families because of either disability or they have no family. And it, it just, um, it made me so hopeful for humanity that really, you know, there is possibility to make a change. You know, th th there are lit young minds that we can still impact and, um, if we do it right, we can change society potentially. That's what I mean. So, so, so it raised your spirits, it raised your hopes, and you know, it gave you faith in, in humanity. Absolutely, absolutely. That's awesome. That's awesome. And and you know, um, it took you some time to to uh, to come back to the UK. What happened? Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. Um, so we were so busy traveling across India. We hadn't really kept up with the news. We were sort of watching things from social media. And um, in social media, there was so much of 
there was so much of fake news and rumors and we didn't really understand the scale of things and how quickly things were going to escalate, especially in India. And um, amidst our travels, um, I was meant to travel to Pakistan after India and my visa was just not coming through. And um, I was worried that, you know, if I was to take my flight to Pakistan, what if I would get stranded? Meanwhile, I was hearing from the doctors here about how grim the situation is how retired doctors have returned to work. I thought, okay, well, um, I think it's time I should probably cancel the rest of the Asia trip because, you know, my visas are not coming through and um, there might be problems in terms of traveling and there's rumors about flights being grounded. I don't want to take the risk. Let's go, let me go back to the UK and just go back to work. That's, I started that process. And amidst all me doing all this and preponing my departure, the Prime Minister of India had uh, announced that they were going to go down, um, go into lockdown from the 22nd of March. My flight was booked for the 21st. We went to the airport to check on the 20th if flights were still running because there were so many flights being cancelled. About 750 people had been sent home from the airport and all these things are happening. And uh, bless my mum as well. She tried last minute to book a flight. We all had one day to fly home, 21st of March, and our flights got cancelled. Even though we were on the flight, on the flight, got made to come off the flight after being on the runway for four hours. So you're on the plane, you're waiting yes. to take off, and then they yeah. decided not to um, let you leave. Yes, so they actually uh, came and checked that we had our um, you know, seatbelts on, showed us all the exit doors and everything, all the demonstrations had been done. Four hours later, the flight's not flying, so we had to get off again. Why? And, and Why? Why? What happened? Well, they what? said it was a technical issue. Right. Um, but honestly, I don't know what to believe because there was uh, so many flight cancellations on the same day. Hmm. Um, and there was, uh, there was stupid things like countries are refusing the flights to fly over them. Wow. Yes. It, How it does that make so sense? Stupid. I know. It didn't make sense. And it didn't make sense why exit flights from the country would be banned. It, didn't, it did not make sense at all. Were they so, testing you for, for, for temperature or for symptoms? No, nothing like nothing. that. No. Um, and uh, temperature, uh, Hardy tells you, like, you know, it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 I, you can I, always I, take a few paracetamol anyway, just beforehand. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Um, but the point is, is that there were thousands of people stranded together in a cluster in the airport. Yeah. And that's a very risky situation. And they should have really thought about that rather than temperatures. You know, um, there were people crying, distressed, thousands of suitcases lying around. People, uh, the, the phone lines were so busy because everyone was trying to get a flight to get out of the country. Um, I had, um, so my flight got cancelled. I stayed at the airport trying to book another flight. Couldn't do this. I had an existing flight uh, to uh, another part of the country, to Calcutta, on the same day um, because I was supposed to be going to visit my family anyway, but I had preponed my departure. So I took that flight and I went to self-isolate with, um, with my family because... I, uh, the local government law is that if you've come from a different state and there, there are elderly people in the home, you have to self-isolate in one room. Mm. Um, so me and my mom, we got separated. My mom stayed behind in Delhi 
Mm. And I went to Calcutta. So she ended up being stranded in Delhi. Uh, she stayed with some friends and I stayed with family. Um, thankfully for me, I only had to self-isolate and stay in quarantine for eight days before I was rescued. Um, and rescued? <laughs> you could say that, yes. <laughs> it felt like that. It felt like refugee rescue, to be honest. It's very hush-hush and you can't tell anybody. I was having lots of media interviews to either plead the government to help and this sort of flagged up with the British Embassy there. They arranged for a flight which the German embassy had arranged for the German nationals there. And, uh, you know, there was like police permits and all these to be arranged just to get from the home to the airport. Gosh, it was, it was an ordeal. Um, but for me, n much better than others. There were, if you, if you, bless you, if you obviously looked like you were a foreigner, given that you were Caucasian or something, you had a much better, worse um, scenario. Uh, there were people I was flying with who, who had uh, the mob come at them with sticks and like metal rods and the police um, charge at them with, uh, with sticks as well. So um, they had it much worse. And they were kicked out of their hotels. There was a lot of, um, you know, uh, prejudice going on. You know, if, if, they, if they saw and knew that you'd come from abroad, then they were calling you coronavirus and spitting and being all. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It was, yeah, it was pretty scary. But for me, I got lucky and it took me 30 hours, but I did get home eventually. I got home on the 1st of April. Uh, uh, and your mom's still there at the moment? My mom finally got home yesterday. So well, she finally got home, yeah. And she's safe? She's okay? She is safe. Yeah, she's okay. Yeah, she's sleeping, uh, she's sleeping in a separate room to us um, for mm. her own reasons she wants to self-isolate but it's really difficult when when you're sort of sharing premises and um, it's difficult to, to to really maintain the rules um, you know because you're touching yeah. surfaces and everything so but anyway yeah 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 wow I didn't know it was um, that sort of chaotic over there in India mm, it is yeah there's a lot of bureaucracy unfortunately mm. even for my mum they sealed her building on the day of the flight departure for her. <laughs> and we had to call some magistrate somewhere else, a police a, a commissioner somewhere else. And there were so many phone calls happening. Um, it's, it's pretty scary, actually. Um, especially if, if you're not someone who's well off and, and got mm. connections to get you through these situations. It's, it can be quite difficult. Wow, wow. And, and, and are there still, uh, you know, British nationals stuck in, in India at the moment? There are, there are. There wow. are a few more rescue flights that are being um, um, sort of uh, conducted over this week and next week. Um, but they're going packed out, completely packed out, which also, pr I think it's uh, dangerous because our yeah. flight, the German flight, they had only a um, select number that were allowed so that we yeah. could actually keep one seat between each of us to maintain that distance. But the British flights haven't had that. Yeah, I mean, sort of on, on, the, on the positive side, I mean, if you, um, if you maintain a good immunity and, you know, you stay physically healthy, uh, you're more likely to stay mentally healthy uh, and you're more likely to fight off the virus. So, um, you know, I think uh, if you concentrate on your, on your own health, that will only improve things globally. For sure, for sure, absolutely.
So now that you're 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 safe and sound here back in the UK, and you know it's not it's not the same UK as you left it, so to mm-hmm. speak. Um, what kind of changes have you noticed here? Honestly, I would say that I personally didn't notice a massive difference besides at the train station in London mm. where it was pretty empty. But yeah. I have seen it that empty at night time or really early hours of the morning anyway. I'd say Britain in a very in a nice context has got the attitude of keep calm and carry on. Great. And yeah. I love that about the British. Honestly, yeah. the fact that wherever you go, they're still treating us like human. As you said, yes, I would agree that even at the shopping, um, you know, uh, if you go to get your groceries, yes, people are sort of keeping the distance from everybody. We had a situation like that last week where we mutually, mutually got away from each other. (laughs) But I felt really guilty. And then it was almost a mutual um, like understanding that, oh, well, um, well, don't, no offense, but we have to do this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, um, no, honestly, I, I do feel that uh, the keep calm and carry on attitude is still, still very much alive here. And I'm an introvert, so I don't really miss going out that much. I can stay at home for long periods of time without missing being outdoors anyway. Um, I've been getting on with house chores and stuff. I suppose uh, what really will be making the difference is when I go to work. That's probably where I'm going to notice any difference. Uh, but let's see. Let's see. I, I, I do um, applaud Britain for having the keep calm and carry on attitude and, and, and whatever they're doing. I, I don't personally notice a massive difference. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm an extrovert and um, I feed off uh, everyone else and, and off the environment. And, um, that's why I've gone a bit kind of low yeah. because, uh, everyone else is, uh, you know, not, not, uh, interacting with me, so to speak. So yeah, I've, I've really felt that downturn and, um, uh, so I'm, uh, getting used to my introversion right now, mm. being, being by myself and, you know, just with my thoughts and so on, but Hey, you know, uh, this is, you know, it's a time for, for change and, um, uh, and that's just the way it goes. And given that you're um, going to go back into the NHS, I mean, when mm-hmm. I first went back, uh, this was um, about 10 days ago, I was in two weeks of isolation as well. I was very apprehensive, actually. I was, I thought, shit, you know, um, into the war zone, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, but the moment I sort of walked in, you know, my mates were there. Uh, my colleagues were there, yeah. And I, okay, you know, we 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 had to wear a few extra things and extra layers, but it was kind of business as usual. You know, we had a good laugh. You know, we we had some good banter, and um, yeah, you know, the, the patients were patients. You know, exactly. it was kind of business as usual, really. That's the thing that uh, I know uh, I'm banking on in a way that the NHS is, um, it's all, it's about being part of a team and everyone helps each other out. And um, that, that is, um, that's what's going to get me through this. I think that, uh, that, that sort of um, being able to rely on your colleagues and have that support and the fact that you're all going through a shared experience in a way. Um, So 
hopefully, hopefully with uh, with with that team effort, we can we can uh, avoid something disastrous from happening. And you know, um, also, I mean, also, even the people I didn't like at work, I was actually liking them as well. <laughs> You know, the people that, that I always have arguments with, I wasn't having, you know, we were just working together. It was, it was quite yeah. weird. It was quite surreal. And, you know, yeah. normally I come in huff and puff, complain about the business of the clinic and sort of what have you. But the day I came in, I was like, yeah, excellent. Bring them on. I was like, so, <laughs> I was so buzzing. Yeah. yeah. You get the adrenaline rush, I bet. So yeah. uh, what I wanted to ask you was, uh, how was it wearing the PPE? Because I start, start work next week. But I want to know how it's been. Well, I mean, you know, we don't have like the proper full shebang, um, you know, intensive care PPE with all the uh, double. Mask, yeah, yeah, yeah all, all that kind of stuff. It was, it was literally just a mask and uh, a surgical mask and some gloves. Um, and I was happy with that. Uh, plus, being an ophthalmologist, we have a visor on our slit lamp. Oh, good, yeah. So, you know, we, we had that there. And, and, and to be honest, I wasn't too bothered about it. I mean, I was, you know, yeah, I wasn't so, bothered about it at all. So, so was there any limitations to what, how close you could get? Because as an ophthalmologist, if you're using an ophthalmoscope, then you have to get really close to the patient's face, don't you? Yeah, I'm not too bothered, to be honest. I'm not too bothered. I mean, you know, if the patient had a bit of an issue with them, then obviously we had to kind of compromise to a certain extent. Mm. Um, but I guess because I wasn't, you know, too bothered about it, nor, nor was the patient. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, you've just got to make your clinical I, judgment. I think that's what I really like about this country, that people are treating it uh, more practically yeah. Um, I felt that people, when I was in India, at least, there was a huge amount of public anxiety, unnecessary, where to the point of people becoming impractical and obst obstructive, really. Um, yeah. It was, I found it really annoying, in fact, that even on the, air, on the airline, the airline that I came with, would you believe it? <laughs> the airline staff were wearing hazmat suits. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, uh, where there are, the hospital staff do not have enough full PPE. Yeah. They, they were wearing the full PPE with the, with the you know, the, the glasses, the mask and everything. I was, uh, and when, when someone tried to touch them on the shoulder to ask for something, he literally was like, Madam, please don't touch me. Yeah, oh, I'm right. about to die. You, you know, you've got the, uh, you got the lurgies, stay away. Yeah. It's, it's mental, it's mad. So I, I do like the fact that in the UK, people are dealing with a lot more calm and practical manner. I mean, you know, some, I mean, I had one patient, you could see he was in a lot of anxiety. Mm. And, um, and he wasn't wearing the whole visor and PPE and everything, but he was wearing, uh, you know, one of these silly masks. And um, I tried to break the ice with some with some banter and some jokes, and he wasn't having any of it. So you know, I kept my two meter distance, washed my hands, blah blah blah, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it really depends on, and you know, the good thing about here is that we do have that leeway to use a bit of common sense and use a bit of mm. um, you know calmness and you know think about it. Um, I mean, I was in uh, the supermarket yesterday. 
And, you know, we weren't keeping two meters apart from each other, you know, we were sort of going all over the place. But there was one woman, you can see she was literally trying to make sure everyone's two meters away from her. So she kept stopping every, uh, every 10 seconds because people would be, you know, whizzing past buying their uh, baked beans and, uh, and chocolates. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess if you take it by, by the letter of the law, I think it won't be pleasant at all. Um, so it really depends on, you know, the managers, uh, the, uh, the people in administration, and also uh, the medical leadership, how far they want to take this um, mm. and, you know, how strict. Um, but I think there needs to be local variation and local leeway with this. Otherwise, it becomes totally impractical. And then we can't do, you know, the routine stuff, which everyone needs anyway. Mm. Mm, absolutely so um well i mean it's going to be interesting and um welcome back thank you uh you know uh, to the powers be that got you back here because you know we do need your um beautiful face beautiful body beautiful mind uh and beautiful smile here uh, because you do raise our spirits thank um you. and uh what what are your three top tips to our listeners uh today um, to sort of get them through the next six months so um of course pay attention to the mental health and the three ways that i would tell them is uh, gratitude um donating to charity which is the act of kindness um whether you donate to a charity or act as a volunteer or donate actual purchased goods in terms of um you know uh, sanitation products or food drop it off to the homeless for something like that when you go and shop in um gratitude being obviously um saying thank you even to the shopkeepers and like going out of your way to say thank you reach out to someone who's a nurse that you know or anybody else that you know is a key worker reach out to them and drop them a message say thank you or check on them if they need anything so the gratitude act of kindness and the mindfulness, which I mentioned, which is, you know, um, trying to focus on the small positives, noticing the small positives, especially nature. Um, you know, the weather has been absolutely fantastic in the last week. And um, you, we, we have to, we have to, we have to, we have to be happy about that. Um, I've seen birds and squirrels and, um, you know, just notice these things and um, focus on things like that. So those are my three tips, really. Gratitude, mindfulness and act of kindness. You've been awesome, Basha. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this installment of the Surgical Spirit Podcast. For all the latest in the world of Surgical Spirit, don't forget to follow on Twitter at The Third Eye Doc and catch me on Facebook at the page The Third Eye Doctor. You can visit the website at www.thethirdeyedoctor.co.uk for more information on the work that I do. And please send us feedback and questions and suggestions for the podcast. It's always a pleasure to hear from you. I've been Dr. Haider Al-Hakim and I'll see you next time.